We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. And today, during the dead of the dead of the offseason, we're going to take a little break in the positional overview series where we've been breaking down the depth charts. Though I do want to say, if you don't notice receivers coming out, it's because we have a special guest to help us break down receivers that are just pure procured for the next podcast, and it won't be the next one. It will be the time we do the receivers. So we're going to jump around a little bit with the positional breakdowns. Nick's laughing. I must have that, said something that, stupid. The way you said procured, you sound like King Joffrey. <laughs> Is it urgent? <laughs> Is it urgent? Mother said she wanted you. Is it urgent? Like, I love That's one of my favorite lines of Game of Thrones when it's the it's the it's it's uh, Blackwater Bay and uh, Tyrion's trying to lead the lead the battle. Joffrey's supposed to be there on the battlefield with the boys, with the with everybody there, with the hound. And somebody comes up to him and he's like, because mother wants him. And, and he goes, because Cersei wants him. And he goes, they go, uh, uh, mother has urgent business, or mother has business for you. She wants you. And he's like, uh, is it is it urgent? Is it ad- did she say it was urgent? Like what could be more urgent than the battle? What could possibly be more urgent, Joffrey, than the battle? But that's Joffrey in a nutshell. Then again, though, spoiler alert, because that was a bit of a spoiler, and you're the one who started it. Yeah, no, but I was just talking about how you enunciated the. Pro- pro- and let me just say this, by the way. Let me just say this, by the way, because I'm really happy to see this. Dylan Nels, shout out Dylan Nels here today because. Dylan Nels came back to me. We were talking about something else. He slid into my DMs about something job-related, which I tried to help him with, give him some advice. But then he said, thanks so much. This is super helpful. Also, just wanted to add, your take on spoilers is spot on. All of Game of Thrones is fair game. Yeah, well, Dylan Nels doesn't know what he's talking about, obviously. (laughs) Does he? Does he? Does he not know what he's talking about? Doesn't know what he's talking about. At some point... Spoilers become no longer spoilers. Like I said, are we not allowed to talk Isn't about sit- the ending to Citizen like, Kane? Game of Thrones is like three years old, right? Was that a Game of Thrones is like three years old. I guess. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think there are listeners right now who are like, I may watch it eventually. They probably don't want to hear. Something. Yeah, and I'm not going to give yeah. away main spoilers. I never talked yeah. about big events. I've never talked about the blank. And I don't blank. think what you said before was really a spoiler. That's such a no. little thing. So that's why we're not going to beep it out like we have in the I've past. tried to avoid. I did, and the one we beeped out, by the way, was not even that that beep worthy but we'll, we'll allow it <laughs> not even that beep worthy not even that censor worthy but how you doing today nick before we dive into all this i'm doing well man i'm doing well it looks like it's about to rain outside but uh we're, we're yeah. ready to talk more new york giants bro I'm, I'm just counting the days of training camp to be honest bro me too man i can't wait till we get into the actual football i want to see football on the field i want to have 
things to evaluate other than the speculation. But I do want to give a shout out to Big Blue Banter listener before we get going, Mo. I believe it was Mo who came into my DMs a while ago and said, you got to try out Nam Keen, a place in, it's like on the border of Madison Chatham area around Morristown where I'm living now. And He's like, this is a place you got to try. Because we were talking about the fried chicken sandwiches, the debate. And so my whole take on fried chicken sandwiches is this, Nick. And I know you can't really get involved in this because you refuse to have any. And you can't treat yourself to one fried chicken sandwich in a year. It's just (laughs) unbelievable to me. But I think the Popeyes is very overrated. Now, I will preface this by saying this. A lot of people view it as the 1-1 of the fast food fried chicken sandwich game. And I never got the original batch of the Popeyes. But remember, they had that original Popeyes chicken sandwich. Everyone flocked to it. It was, like, sold out. I waited on a couple lines, and I missed it at. And then it went away for, like, a couple months, and it came back. And when it came back is when I got it. And I think the second version of the Popeyes fried chicken sandwich was not good. And I've heard from people after that who have said, yeah, the first batch was a lot better than the second. And the second batch to me was similar to like the McDonald's and the Burger King version and all the other crappy fast food versions where it's like fake chicken I call it it's just like this glued together shitty mashed up chicken where when you bite into it you can't even see the fibers of the chicken come off because it's some weird quote unquote chicken breast and that's why uh, Chick-fil-A is still the one one for me by far Chick-fil-A may not have the brioche bun that these have the butter the sauce whatever BS you want to say but that's all taking away from the key ingredient which is the actual chicken patty when you bite into that chicken in the Chick-fil-A Fast food-wise, it's the best version because it's the best quality piece of chicken. And that's what matters most. Just like when people talk about burgers and like, this place gave me a burger with this and this and this as a topping. Don't talk to me about that. Was the patty still a frozen piece of crap that they unfroze, that they, uh, you know, defrosted that day? Yes, but if you go to a place like Diesel and Duke, great fast food burger for those of you in the Montclair area or Caldwell, they, they grind that, they gr- freshly ground that ground beef daily, and that's the difference in the patty. That plus the smash technique, which I will stand by with burgers, using the smash technique, best way to make a good burger. But you combine those two things, and that's what you're looking for. It's all about the patty. It's not about the toppings. It's not about the bun. Those people who think it's about that are on, going in the wrong direction, Nick. So I wanted to come out with that rant. But Mo is the one who shouted me out to this new place in the Madison Chatham area, Nam Keen. Nam Keen has an incredible fried chicken sandwich. Now, I won't put it in the mix with the with the Chick-fil-A's and the whatever because it's not fast food. It's double the price. And to me, once you get into that double the price range, it's like comparing Shake Shack Burger to McDonald's or whatever. You know, you can't compare the two. Shake Shack is double the price and it's clearly better. It's a good quality burger. So, Regardless, if you're looking for a more upscale upgrade to the fried chicken sandwich, Nam Keen, I could not suggest it highly. That is one of the best chicken patties I've had. Unbelievable fried chicken, Nam Keen. It's like a little spicy, it's a little Indian version. I think Indian is the style there. They have like a masala chicken sandwich, but they also have the Nashville, the classic Nashville fried hot chicken sandwich. Whoo boy, is that thing good. I loved it. I've had it now twice since. So, Mo, thank you for the shout-out, Big Blue Listener Mo. Dan, are we getting uh, money from them that I'm not aware of or something? <laughs> I, they should be sponsoring with that. With that, First of all, Chick-fil-A and Nam Keen should be sponsoring after that little food rant. But for those of you who don't like the food rants, those of you who do, let us know. Some of you have said you do. Some of you said you don't. We'll talk Giants football. Don't worry. It's, just, it's the offseason. We like to talk about other things. But today, we're taking a break from the Positional Depth Chart Overview Series, and we are going to dive into... A very, some would say way too early look at the 2022 NFL draft class by breaking down five prospects who should be on the Giants radar, who could be on the Giants radar for a variety of reasons. We'll break down the prospects briefly and then we'll get into why they should be or could be on the radar based, radar, I'm sorry, based on their fit 
in the system based on where the Giants are at with each position from a roster building standpoint, factoring in everything there. Who's on the roster for now? Who's going to be on the roster for the future? How strong the position is from a depth standpoint, from a top end standpoint. But I want to preface all this by saying this is based on an article Nick did for Big Blue View. And neither Nick or I have had much time to dive into the real film of these prospects. This is what we call a way too early look. So we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of these prospects, but we're going to talk about why they should be on your radar and why they could be players the Giants are looking at based on a lot of things, but mostly where the Giants are at with those positions and the fact that they have two first round picks and can be in the mix for these top end type prospects. Absolutely, and the Giants have 10 picks because they have Miami's third, and they also have a Bears fourth as well. And this article was uh, uh, it was a com- compilation from Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback Sports Illustrated. He put together like 20 different prospects, and the qualifications of those prospects is they have to be a uh, at least a four years in college. So you're not going to have the Kayvon Thibodeaux of the world, who is the Oregon pass rusher that everyone should know because he's an absolute stud. He's going to be a top five pick. And could be a giant. Uh, I would love if he, that guy's a giant. If the Giants are really, really the Bears bad, bottom out. Or if the Bears bottom out, yeah. It's, that's it's all another, about the Bears, baby. It's all about them Bears bottom every out. Every week I want them to lose. Every, every week. Every week because this guy is an absolute stud. But he's not going to be on the list. It's going to be those players who are redshirt juniors, seniors, fifth-year guys. So yes. that's the kind of players we're working with for this. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so those are the players we're working with. We've set the bar. Let's start with George, and I can't wait to mispronounce some of these names because I'm sure that's going to happen, as it always does for me. Let's start with Georgia edge rusher prospect, outside linebacker Adam Anderson. Obviously, before we get into him, Nick, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on him. We know the deal with these Georgia pass rushers, from Lorenzo Carter to Zizo Gelari. The system's very similar. Not very similar. Somewhat similar. The terminology is somewhat similar. The style is similar, and so the Giants like to pick from this crop. In addition to all of that, Dave Gettleman is a big believer in starting a lot of years at a high level in a high-level conference, and nothing is higher level than the SEC, playing at a high-level football and playing in big games. The Georgia plays in big games all the time. And so he fits a lot of what Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge, and this regime likes in a prospect. So let's talk a little bit about this edge rusher, Adam Anderson. Six foot five, two twenty-five, similar to that Lorenzo Carter build, I believe. Is he as athletic? What kind of game does he have? I would say Carter is uh, definitely stronger at the point of attack from the little bit that I've seen of Anderson. And I got to watch a decent amount of him because I watched Aziz Ojolari. I watched a ton of Aziz Ojolari, and I would always see number 19 on the other side. And I was like, oh, that guy's a pretty good player, really, really long type of player. But uh, I think a different type of player, maybe not as physical, but he can drop into space. He can use those long arms to close throwing windows, and he also uses his arms well against the run and also as a pass rusher because when you have that length, you can keep tackles off of you. But he's still a little bit raw. I mean, this, this guy right here, he's... He has three years under his belt. He has his extra year going in, but he really, really flashed in that Cincinnati game, their bowl game, where I think Georgia won 24 to 21, if I'm not mistaken. And James Hudson was in that game. And James Hudson was drafted, I think it was the third or fourth round in the draft. He was the converted tight end to tackle for Cincinnati. He ended up actually doing really well against Aziz Ojolari, and then he got ejected for a targeting penalty after like an interception mm-hmm. halfway through that game. And then after that, Ojolari and Adam Anderson just absolutely went off. And Anderson had, what, I think eight pressures. I just pulled up the stats. He had eight pressures, a sack, five hurries in that game. Two hits. Oof, yeah, he, he was went a, off. He was, he was everywhere for Georgia. And we know, as you alluded to, Dan, 
Giants love these Georgia pass rushers. The terminology is very similar, as Patrick Graham has said, and they like going to that well of Kirby Smart. They have a bunch of SEC coaches there. I'm sure some of those coaches tried to recruit guys like Aziz Ojolari, like Adam Anderson. So he's somebody I think we should just put on our radar, see how he performs this year, see if he gets a little bit stronger. And then, um, you know, next year, I'm not sure if this guy is going to be a first-round pick. Uh, you know, it's way too early to really tell, but just somebody to uh, consider because when you look at the Giants, what they do? They love going after edge guys. They like going after Georgia edge guys. And mm. this is a premier Georgia edge guy. So it just kind of makes sense from that standpoint. Yeah, and one thing you mentioned in the article, something the Giants also like to target, is these edge guys slash tackles, basically the guys who play on the edge in the NFL, tackles or pass rushers, with long arms. And he's got that too. And even if you saw what they did in free agency, their big target wasn't Kenny Galladay. They're happy to get Kenny Galladay, but they wanted Leonard Floyd. Before he resigned, they wanted that was the first guy they went after. That was who they wanted to spend the big money on. And he has those long arms. Hey Dan, remind me, where did Leonard Floyd go to school? He also went to school at Georgia. <laughs> they love these Georgia guys. Also, Leonard Floyd should have been a giant. The, the, I can't still uh, I know on You wanna take a trip down memory lane? I don't want to take a trip down memory lane. They already <laughs> did that with John Fox himself. Let me know that they the Bears did it for a reason. They knew what was gonna happen there. They knew the Giants were going Floyd. And then the Titans. What a panic move. What a panic move by Reese, by the way. Like at least take William Jackson. William Jackson was awesome in college. You knew he was gonna be I mean, injuries have derailed his career. Maybe he can revive him with the Washington football team. Personally, I hope not. I don't want the football team to get a Bradbury type sign. He's a good there. player coming out. But though. he was a really good player coming out after he was injured his first year with Cincinnati, the Bengals. He had a really good second season. So who knows? We won't go back down that lane. One other thing I wanted to mention about him though about Adam Anderson is I'm a little concerned with the fact that he doesn't really play that much like he's a big ballyhooed guy because of these traits but he only had 130 total snaps last year he didn't play a single game with more than 19 snaps that was a season high against Cincinnati in the bowl game and then if you look back yes he qualifies for Breer's study here because he's played he's going into his fourth season and he's played in all three seasons before that but 130 snaps was his most ever last year 112 the year before 95 the year before and as a pass rusher he's only had 997 reps total so that definitely concerns me a little bit. It goes to what I was saying a little bit earlier, though. He needs to get more physical because okay. he is a pass rusher right now. He's a pass rushing specialist, and there's definitely a place in the NFL for players like that, being a pass rushing specialist. But they don't want to put him out there on early downs, especially when you have players like Aziz Ojolari. And they always – I don't know who the, the physical guy they have, but they always have guys like Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter, who was a little bit uh, more athletic and had a lot more capabilities than a Bellamy. But Bellamy was there when Carter was there, and Bellamy was more of that you know strong side end, I'm going to set the edge but I'm not going to offer as much as a pass rusher so they probably had people like that that filled that role mm -hmm. and they just brought Anderson in because they wanted some pass rushing juice now he just needs to maybe grow into his body a little bit because we're talking about a 20 year old kid hopefully he can put on a little bit more mass so he can play those early downs right correct and he will be eligible for the 2022 draft and I think that in regards to if, even if he's the guy I don't think he will be the guy but let's say the Giants are in position in a top five draft position because the Bears bottom out Dalton sucks Fields has some rookie struggles, whatever it may be. The O-line collapses. I think that O-line could really be a problem for Chicago this season. And a lot of it will depend, hopefully, that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, you know, 
smooth things out. We do not, as Giants fans, we do not want. It's weird to say because the Giants are also in the NFC, so you would think that it's good if Rodgers gets moved out to Denver into the AFC, but for this specific season, I think we do not want Aaron Rodgers to get traded because I think we want him in that division, beating up on the Bears. We want the Bears to get those two easy losses. I think if Jordan Love goes in there, those become two potential wins for the Bears versus now if Rodgers is in there, I don't see the Bears winning either of those games. And so we definitely don't want that, but... I think it's going to be a little different if the Giants do have a top five picnic because last year the Giants had that pick and there were a lot of guys we talked about that we like, specifically Northwestern offensive tackle Rashawn Slater. Then in round two, we had some guys. Then in round three, we had some guys. And we kind of knew going in the Giants weren't planning to draft over Matt Parrott. I think that whole thing is a little bit different than Ellerson Smith in this regard because while I don't think they're too far off as prospects, personally, I think if you take Matt Parrott and 97 or Ellison Smith, wherever he was taken a, a few picks later in round four. They're both total project players to me. Everyone who's assuming Matt Parrott is just going to be great this year and the Giants shouldn't have drafted over him no matter what are just taking a big leap of faith. They're project players. Both positions, edge and tackle, are really hard to develop, in my opinion, in the NFL. There's a ton of times these guys just end up busting, and there's a lot of swings people take, and there's mostly misses. But I think the Giants can actually draft over him with more confidence because it's different than tackle. There's going to usually going to be a rotation, especially within Patrick Graham's system. So how do you feel about that? Do you think I'm onto something there with like, they're not going to be afraid to draft edges because they know they can rotate these guys versus tackle with Parrot, where they're like, ideally we want somebody to play every snap there. Absolutely. And that's what we've seen. I mean, Ernie, of course, he said it in the past. He said you can never have too many pass rushers. Right. Pass rushing is, you know, king in terms of, you know, stopping the opposing offense. And Lorenzo Carter is going to be a free agent next year. Ifedi Odenabo is going to be a free agent next year. I mean, I'm imagining Ryan Anderson will probably be a free agent next year. And that leaves the O'Shane Zimenez, the, you know, obviously Aziz Ojolari, Ellerson Smiths of the world to kind of anchor down that edge position. So they're going to look to add some new juice to that position. Why not go back to the well of Georgia? But again, it doesn't mean they'll go after someone like Anderson. They could if they had that top five pick if the Bears absolutely fall on their face, go after Kayvon Thibodeau, and then the defense <laughs> really gets a Chase Young type of player. Yeah, if, that, if they end up getting into that top five and we feel confident with Jones... That means me and you, not the Giants. The Giants are going to have a different point of view with Jones. They've already, they feel like he's the savior already and he's shown nothing. But if we feel that way, I'm going to be super excited about that potential possibility of getting to Bo because, whoo, baby, they put him on that defense that's already looking great. I, I don't know how many more holes they have left to fill inside linebacker. Maybe a player we'll talk about a little bit later who could potentially fill that that we'll get into in a bit. But before we get into our next player, who I am a guarantee to mispronounce i have already guaranteed this one i have no shot at this i'm gonna try my best let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we go, Nick. Here's the mispronunciation on its way. I'm going to start with the team because I can do that, the Minnesota Gophers. I'm going to start with the – then I'm going to move on to the position because I can do that, offensive tackle, though. I think there's a chance he actually may be getting moved into the inside at the NFL level. We'll see. I'll see what your thoughts are on that. But it's Minnesota offensive tackle prospect Daniel Falele. I'm just going to call him Falele. I'm sure that's not how it's pronounced. I I think that's actually accurate. I could be wrong, to be honest, (laughs) but I think that's accurate. I mean, this is a 2020 opt-out, so we haven't seen him in a couple years. And for those of you who don't know, man, Falele is a 400, yes, I'm not lying, a (laughs) 400-pound offensive tackle who has played on the right side for the Golden Gophers in 2018 and in 2019. Now that's massive. He actually carries his weight relatively well for someone of that size, but still that's going to be too big in the NFL. Speed rushers are going to absolutely take advantage of that. So he may be relegated to the offensive guard spot, but I do want to kind of bring up the fact that if he does shed some weight, if he does get a little bit lighter on his feet, he does have that experience on the right side. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves and just look at Matt Parrott and be like, if Matt Parrott struggles this year, and then we do see Nate Solder down the stretch of the season, Giants are going to be right back in the tackle market, just like they were in 2020 and just like they were in 2020. So I'm looking at some of these top offensive tackle guys, and I, I think we should start mentioning their names. And Falele is probably the most interesting one because of his weight. Yeah, that's a great point. Listen, when it comes to Parrot, the Giants need a much shorter leash than they have on Daniel Jones, for example. Daniel Jones was a sixth overall pick. Matt Parrott was the 97th overall pick. I would argue both positions are tough to develop in the NFL quarterback and offense tackle. And I would argue both positions you shouldn't be holding on to players for too long at. You should be trying to always improve at and you should never be, you know, in that boat. But when it comes to tackle, drafted at 97th overall or 99th overall, I'm sorry, wherever Parrott was drafted, I'm going to get that 99th, wrong. I believe yeah. it was 99th. You have to be willing to move on if after two years it doesn't look obvious that he's the guy. And I don't mean move on. It doesn't mean cut the guy. You can still leave him in there, hope he improves, and have him compete. Again, there's we can't – I hate how people sometimes look at offensive tackle or offensive line positions like, there's one guy, that's it. No, no, no. It could be a competition. You could add a lot of talent there and just have the best player win out, and then you just have a great backup for when injuries strike. That's not a bad thing. On the offensive line, it's one of the most important. You can't win in the NFL without it. So this guy definitely intrigues me. He's Australian-born, as you pointed out, which I think is cool. I like those, I like that. I don't know. Maybe he was playing a little rugby over there, a little physical-type player. My question for you is at six foot nine and 400, obviously, like you said, he probably has to get down to the 360 range. That's obvious. Otherwise, you know, he's going to be too easily beaten by those speed rushers unless he has that Mackay Becton-like footwork. And I don't know if he has that. But my question is, how does he compare just from your first glance athletically to a prospect like Becton? Because I think when you're in that size range, you're thrown into that kind of bucket. And if you don't have that kind of athleticism, 
I don't know if you're, it's not that you're not worth taking a shot on, but I think you have to at least be kicked into the inside to hide it, to hide it, to hide, you know, your, I guess, lack of ability to function on the edge. So where would you compare him athletically to a player like Becton? I would say Becton is, is more developed than him, but I don't want to like knock Lele because I haven't seen the guy since 2019 right. either. So he could, you know, have worked on his game throughout that opt out. That's very, very plausible that he did that. But just being that size, I mean, in the NFL, like we said, speed rushers are going to take advantage of that. But when you watched Makai Becton, they didn't do a lot of true pass sets at Louisville. There was yeah. a lot of um, a lot of just things that you don't always see in the NFL. He's not, you know, vertical setting. And you can watch him move in space, like at the combine, for instance. And you see how quick his feet were. Just combine that with his size and with his length and with his power. You were like, this guy is rare, man. Makai Becton was a yeah. rare guy. I'm not going to put Falele there quite yet, but he definitely has the opportunity to develop into that. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so we've got Daniel Falele, offensive tackle, number 78, if you're watching Big Ten football this year. So keep an eye on Daniel Falele, but you can't miss him. He's 400 pounds and six foot nine, so you probably don't even need to know the number. We've got Adam Anderson, the Georgia outside linebacker, edge rusher, number 19. If you got that and you're watching some SEC football, let's go on to another player here, who our third player we're going to call out, and that's Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary. He's the third player we're talking about, six foot, 188 pounds, nice length. Where do you feel, how do you feel about, and I, obviously, you know, we can talk about the position because the Giants have a lot of depth at the corner position, but what are your thoughts on McCreary and why did he make your list? I just think he's a longer type of cornerback. I mean, he's only like six foot, 190 pounds, but he has those explosive elements. He comes off routes pretty well. And I don't think the Giants are necessarily done at investing in this cornerback spot because, I mean, James Bradbury, after this season, only has one more year left. I'm not sold on Darnay Holmes. I like him, but he's never going to be a boundary guy. He's more of a slot guy. I think they drafted Aaron Robinson for a reason to compete with him in that position, but Aaron Robinson also has a versatility to kick outside. And then Adoree Jackson is, uh, I'm high on him, don't get me wrong, but he's not a sure thing either. The last time we saw him on the field, he was struggling. Granted, there were a lot of uh, things that were going on in his life and in his career that may have held him back a little bit, but I wouldn't say he's a sure thing. And if anything, we've seen from Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge on this team is they want to invest in their secondary. That's how you win in football. You want to invest in man coverage. You want to invest in the secondary. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants look at someone like McCreary, and there's a bunch of other cornerbacks as well. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they look at them with an early pick next year. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The Giants have clearly, again, I said this a few podcasts ago. I'm going to say it again. I give Dave Gettleman all the credit in the world for adopting his position on how to build a defense out. And he said he did it during his tenure in Carolina as their general manager. And he's made it a point with the Giants. Even if you look at like the Sam Beal decision, which I didn't like, I thought it was too much of a risk for a player who had injury issues, but at least, and I think it was a bit of a panic move because he felt like, oh my God, our corner situation is really and truly so bad from a depth standpoint. We have to force this. No one else offered more than a fourth round pick. They offered... The, their third round which was the second pick in the third round whatever put it behind us the point is he was still looking at adding secondary and corner players and that's been something that he's believed in pass coverage over pass rush and in the new nfl i couldn't be more on board with him so many of these offenses are designed to get rid of the ball fo- quickly so i don't think you could ever it's the new offensive line for me let's say or it's the offensive line of the defense i always talk about the offensive line as the bullpen you can never have enough t- too many bullpen yards you can never have too much offensive line talent and competition i'm starting to feel that way honestly nick about the secondary specifically the corner position even more than safety 
on the defensive side of the ball with with attrition at the position the injuries with the fact that there's so many unique teams building these mismatch type offenses with guys that they're getting in space on the perimeter you know in the slot wherever it may be stacked against it with, with an outside receiver you need guys who can match up you need to get all the guys possible who can play man coverage just like patrick graham said you can find a lot of guys who can play zone. Isaac Yadin was decent in zone last year. You need the guys who can play man because there's going to be situations where you need to play man and you need a guy who can look good line up across from a really talented offensive skill player who has a really interesting skill set and be able to compete with him. And so I'm always going to be in the corner market with you. I think you brought up a great point when it comes to Bradbury's contract being up. Obviously, Adore Jackson is signed here for potentially the long term. Then they got the two slot guys who... One maybe can play Aaron Robinson. The other, Darnay Holmes, probably never going to play the outside for the Giants at that height and length. So I think they should really always, I think that alone says they should be in the market. And I'm with you, man. Always be looking for corner talent. And let's think about the Giants just over the last two seasons, 2019 and 2020, their defense. There was always a liability that seemed to find its way on the field and was just exploited. In 2019, it was Corey Ballantyne. Now, the kid's a six-round pick out of, like, Washburn. He's, I'm not going right. to sit there and hold him. I don't want to hold him fully accountable or just, you know, like knock the guy, but he wasn't ready to step on the field, especially against Aaron Rod- Rodgers, who tore him up, and then Mitchell Trubisky tore him up in that game as well. And then last year, it was Isaac Yidem. Week one, they thought they could play man coverage, and it just kept running crosses and pick routes and the Giants couldn't cover it and then Patrick Graham had to really alter his defense towards the middle of the season and then towards the end of the season they were one of the better zone covering teams but if you can just get solid man coverage across the board something McCreary can do then that's going to be excellent for the New York Giants that's what they're looking to do that's what they should be looking to do and also another big important fact about McCreary is he's a good tackler that's what the Giants love they loved Aaron Robinson because he was a good tackler he cleaned up his tackling in 2020 McCreary I think has in three seasons, eight missed tackles. So he has a sub-double-digit missed tackle percentage. And that's what the Giants like to see, somebody who is a sure tackler, who can use their length to tackle, and who is physical. McCreary has all that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Not only is he a good tackler, he's got the length. He really fits a lot of what the Giants seem to like now at that corner position. So keep an eye on Roger McCreary, the corner of Auburn. If you're watching SEC football, that's number 23. And these guys could all change their numbers, so that'll suck. But right now it's number 23. And let's move on to another prospect who I'm actually super excited to talk about because this is a position I've wanted the Giants to upgrade for a while, and it's the tight end position. And more specifically, this is a position I've wanted them to upgrade with a prototypical potential two-way type tight end. And that means you got to have the frame for it. And for me, these days, I'm considering that 6'5 and above and about 250 and above. And you got to have the ability to also stretch the seam vertically to make, you know, quick little moves underneath. So you got to be a receiver and a blocker potential. And I think that we're going to get to a guy here in Iowa State's Charlie Kolar, who can potentially do that at six foot six, 257 pounds, maybe more of a receiver than a blocker now, but obviously at least has the frame to potentially get there. What do you think about Kolar? Because I like what I've seen just from watching him on the broadcast angle, have not watched much film. What are your thoughts on Kolar? I think he's... Uh somebody who can block in line but that's not his game he's more of a receiver like similar to Kyle Pitts not obviously of the ilk of Kyle Pitts he's not that skilled or talented or nuanced or really anywhere near Kyle Pitts but he is somebody who will try his ass off at blocking when asked to but he's not excellent at it so that's not necessarily what you're going to get but you're going to get a big bodied receiver with a large catch radius and soft hands and that's what Kolar is and he offers that in the big 12 for Iowa State I uh I'm just looking at the Giants right now though man 
man. And I'm like, Kyle Rudolph coming off the foot injury. He'll have one year left on his deal if they were to draft someone like Kolar. Evan Ingram's on his fifth-year option. Where is he going to be? Caden Smith, I think he'll be in his last year of his rookie deal at that point. Are they going to retain someone like that? I would love for them to. Somehow, Levine Toilolo is still on the roster. So the tight end position is a low-key position yeah. that they are going to look to add to after this season, after Evan Ingram's gone. And then you have Kyle Rudolph with one more year left. And this is somebody who I feel like you can align in the slot. He can be a big slot mismatch against those smaller cornerbacks in that area you can use him in line leak him out uh, I wouldn't say he's an excellent athlete, but he's a solid athlete, more of just that big body type of guy who's going to go up and make physical catches, take shots, hold on to the football, and that's really, really important in the NFL, obviously. Yeah, and he reminds me a lot, honestly, when I watch him, and it may just be because they played in the same conference, but he reminds me a lot of Mark Andrews, the Oklahoma tight end who's mm. now with the Ravens, and I feel like Andrews, because of his frame, has been able to improve as a blocker at the next level with good coaching, and I think that could be the same thing for Kolar. I know he's not much of a blocker now, but with that frame I think it's at least possible versus a guy like Ingram with his frame it was never really possible and so I think the best thing you said here is that tight end needs to be a major priority for the Giants moving forward Kyle Rudolph will be like you said on the second year of a deal coming off the list Frank this year older player may even be you know outside chance of being cut after this offseason or this offseason I don't think that'll happen I think he'll get the two years but I don't think they're re-signing Evan Ingram I mean it just doesn't make any sense given their cap situation given what they gave to players like Galladay given the fact that Caradaris Tony's now on the roster there's more skill talent than ever before Ingram was never really a blocker doesn't really fit Jason Garrett's style to me at all he just at all doesn't fit this system from everything you want to go into it the routes that he runs the fact that he's not a great inline blocker Ingram never makes sense as a Jason Garrett tight end. Now, will Garrett be there next year? I don't know. I tend to think he actually will be just because I think the Giants will win enough football games that Garrett will be given another year. And I don't know if he'll be the reason they win the football games. I doubt it. But if he is, they're going to want a tight end like Charlie Kolar. This type of tight end, 6'6", 260, a guy who can play that play within this system. So I'm definitely intrigued by him. Where's number 88? Same number as Evan Ingram. So if you're watching Big 12 football and Iowa State happens to be on, look for number 88. He makes all sorts of big plays down the field using his body to box out defenders. Really seems to be uh, excellent adjusting to the football in the air. Has all the traits that I like, soft hands. These are the type of traits I want in a receiver. I'm less so about the pure speed and all that type of stuff. I like the guys who can do the, you know, who can make actual plays on the football when it's in the air. And so I'm definitely intrigued by Kolar. Yeah, same here. And he only has three drops on 161 Kolar awesome. Targets, you know, and if you watch some of his catches, he'll be used on those deep horizontal crosses, and he'll leap, and you'll see him just in the air for a while, stick his hands up, make the catch, take a huge hit, holds onto the football. Love that kind of stuff, man. Can't ask for more than that. All right, let's move on to our last player here, number five. It is Penn State linebacker Brandon Smith. Everybody remembers Penn State linebacker Michael Parsons. We talked a lot about him. Is this the next guy coming up, the next inside linebacker? Because we'll talk about the position, man, but I have been looking for a nice inside linebacker to pair with Blake Martinez, and even before Blake Martinez, for a long time. And I know we should preface this by saying he's not eligible to the draft until 2023. So this is a bonus play here, our fifth pick. It's a bonus player, Brandon Smith. You're going to watch him this year, number 12 on that Penn State defense. Maybe you'll change his number and you're gonna be like this guy's awesome but then you won't be able to draft him yet but we want to get him on your radar for 2023 yeah he was a true freshman in 2019 he ended up seeing the field but obviously they're very talented at linebacker they had Micah Parsons but Micah Parsons ended up opting out which gave Brandon Smith the chance to play 403 snaps 
last year, and he did really, really well. He pressures the quarterback, drops into coverage, is physical in the run game, fits the run really, really well. Uh, I wouldn't say right now that he has the allure of a Micah Parsons, but he could possibly grow into that because we're talking about, I think he might have just turned 20, this player. Maybe he's still 19 years old. We're talking about a really, really young linebacker. We know the Giants. I mean, if you look at this roster, I feel like on paper, it's a very good roster, but you look at the linebacker position, you're like, okay, they added Reggie Ragland. Obviously, they still have Blake Martinez, but by the time Brandon Smith is available to be drafted, Blake Martinez won't be under contract under the contract that he has right now with the New York Giants. So you look at Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, they're like tweeners. They don't really have, you know, true linebacker traits. So this linebacker position may be looking for talent over the next couple years. And Brandon Smith could be somebody that they consider. It's a big power five school i think the giants may have been interested in micah parsons if micah parsons uh didn't have the character type of concerns it depends it's hard to say because the giants also wanted to i think add an explosive playmaker so they went the Kadarius tony route obviously in the first round after trading back but i wouldn't be shocked if they're interested in someone like brandon smith obviously it's way too early to tell especially for this specific player because he has another year in college other than these other ones at least for draft eligibility some of these guys could stay in even longer yeah, and I think that I was ultimately originally a bit skeptical if the Giants were willing to use a massive asset for an inside backer type regarding Parsons, regarding this draft and past drafts. But I was cha- my opinion has changed on that since the rumor came out that the Giants were targeting Tony or Jamin Davis with that second with that twentieth overall pick. Once I knew Davis was in the mix, who Washington ultimately wanted, I knew that they're more interested than we think in these second level type defenders who may not be edge guys but can do a whole lot of other things. So that's why this guy is certainly on my radar and Brandon Smith and Braden Smith. I'm sorry, Brandon Smith, and maybe just maybe he can be. Micah Parsons without the future future overnight in jail. <laughs> ah, just a little joke, just a little little dig there. I'm sorry, Micah Parsons. I don't know you, man. I'm sure you're a decent guy, but that story about you doing the weird hazing with the Penn State teammates was hopefully untrue. But if true, you're not the greatest guy. Let's just say that. And now that you're on the Cowboys, a team full of overnights in jail, I think that we could be heading that direction. Maybe uh, who knows? No, no, the, no. The I'm cow- not going to say that. The Cowboys really, really uh, enjoy. They don't care yeah. drafting uh, people who may make bad decisions later yeah it's it's crazy but we say that as giants people and we draft the deandre baker so yeah you're right yikes not only deandre baker but now uh sam beal had a little run in i guess that no one seemed to know about i feel like the giants poo-pooed that just like they poo-pooed the josh brown situation from years ago which is to me still the biggest black mark on the franchise since i started following the franchise john mara knew about it and just act now it's like just like it goes over everyone's heads like no one even remembers that john Marin knew what was going on there yeah and like that was a really bad situation that was no and so we won't get into that now but that's our recap of five players we want on your radar as giant fans we start with adam anderson number 19 outside linebacker edge from georgia then we move on to daniel falele number 78 the offensive tackle from minnesota roger mccreary number 23 the corner from auburn Charlie Kolar, number 88, the tight end from Iowa State. And finally, Brandon Smith, number 12, if he keeps that number, the inside backer from Penn State. So that's an early look at some 2022 and one 2023 NFL draft prospects that should be on the Giants' radar. Thank you again for tuning in to the Big Blue Bander podcast. If you want to help the podcast grow, there are very simple ways to do it, but they make a massive impact on us. So it's up to you. Do you want to help us? because we're not going to ask for much. All we're going to ask is head to iTunes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, make sure you download every podcast because it doesn't help us if you don't. And then after you do all that, give us a rating and review. Scroll all the way down on the podcast page, you'll see leave a rating and review. Click leave review. 
give it five stars. And then after that, once you do that, write us a little review. If you want to ask us a question or if you want to be featured in any way, get your name on the show, just write it in there. We'll always read it off. And then finally, we've created a YouTube page. It's going to grow. It's going to get even bigger as football comes back. And so follow us there and help us grow that page. That would be YouTube and you type in Big Blue Banter in the search bar and you'll see that. Um, and then finally, last thing, Instagram, NY Big Blue Banter, so just an NY in front of Big Blue Banter. And we're still doing locker rooms. They're not always Tuesday night at 8 anymore. But you know on Twitter or Instagram, both likely, when that will air. So just be on, be on the lookout for that. It's a lot of fun. Join us there. Um, and that's all we got for today. So have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.